let's look at things that we're not readily measuring, that the platforms don't automatically track for us, so that we can start to gain those deeper insights by what people are not doing as much as what they are doing. Hey, what's up, people? You're listening to A Quick Read, an advertising podcast that talks book smarts and street smarts with the people who have been there, done that. Today's guest is Director of Analytics and Insights, Rashmi Hurst, who crunches the numbers, optimizes the searches, and asks, does it work? Just like today's feature book by Shane Atchison and Jason Burby. You know what to do. Tune in and turn up. me what's up hey brandon how are you i'm doing well how are you doing doing great i am so excited for this day to finally come we are buds in real life so for those of you yes. listening to the show rashmi is my one of my co-workers one of my partners in crime and uh, i i think of you as a good friend as well so uh, i do too she is uh, on the show today, and um, Rashmi, you are sort of our analytics and insights guru, sort of director. That's kind of you know where you're coming into to play here. Um, yep. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that you picked. <laughs> Does it work? Yes. Why did you pick that book? Yeah. So. These two authors, I've, I've actually been reading them and kind of following their journey for a while now. Uh, before picking this book, I had read one of the previous works they had put together. It's called Actionable Web Analytics, Using Data to Make Smart Business Decisions. Okay. So I had read that book maybe eight or so years before they came out with this one. They had focused that primarily on website analytics, actions that we could take from what we learned on people's websites. Well, just as the environment evolved, uh, the landscape, they did as well. And so what I really love about this book is it, it takes that to the next level. They have evolved from just looking at the website to taking a more... Uh, omni-channel approach to marketing. So Does It Work, the book that we are going to be talking about today, really takes a deeper dive into all of the channels that affect our reporting, our analytics, our insights. So, you know, we understand, right, that the website matters, but so does the social media ad that drives the user there or that paid Google ad that drives the user there. And so we really need to take that full funnel approach and, and view to marketing. And so I love this book for that reason. It has really served as an evolution of where we are today, highlighting you know what kind of pain points our clients uh, really mm. see, and and it really lines up with my day to day. Man, well, we are going to take a full funnel approach to this conversation. I'm so excited. But before we jump into the big ideas from the book, let's get a little bit on your background. So. Does a girl like you grow up wanting to get in the data? How do you become a data? How do you become a data analyst uh, and insights director? How's that work out? Yeah, so it's it's funny. I had actually grown up really thinking I was going to go to law school my whole life. Uh, I was okay. a okay. communications uh, public policy double major at UNC Chapel Hill. Go Tar Heels. Uh, and, you know, I had applied to law school. I even got in and then I had a quick last minute pivot. Uh, I got a job at Oracle uh, being a 
product analyst, product marketing analyst there. And so they said, hey, we want somebody that doesn't have that true marketing, quote unquote, background to take a fresh approach to our product marketing. And so I started there, did the whole corporate America gig, and then really found my way to the agency. I, I wanted a smaller a smaller gig where, you know, we have a tiny but mighty team that, that really matters more every day. So that's that's been my trajectory. <laughs> Man, look at that. From Oracle all the way to to uh, small town uh, Bardstown, right? Isn't that, yeah. where you're, isn't that where you're calling in from today? Yes, uh, the bourbon capital of the world. So, yep, <laughs> I've made it all the way from San Francisco and London to Bardstown, Kentucky. <laughs> Wow. Well, we're so glad and I'm so glad that you are you are at Leap Group. So again, for those listening, um, this podcast is is also in partnership with Leap Group, which is a, a Midwestern um, agency and there's a network of agencies amongst us independently owned. And um, and they've been so great to support this podcast when I said, hey, I'm going to start this podcast. And so um, I it's really fun to be able to finally have some of our team members on the show. So Really excited to um, to talk with you today about some of this stuff. So let's jump into one of the first big ideas. And so, you know, this book, one of the themes, the things that it really talks about is this, you know, it's, it's very simple and pretty predictable, I guess, for data, which would be, you know, measure what matters. So my question to you is, how's that been true in, in the marketplace and in your work? You know, how do you ensure that you're measuring what matters and, and what does that mean for clients and, and the rest of the agency? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is quite possibly the most important thing that we do on a day-to-day basis. And just to give you a little bit of history, taking it back maybe a decade. So 10 years ago, right, we had clients who were just amazed to have any analytics at all. Just the ability to tell them how many people came to their website or how long they spent, that was so insightful to them. It was, you know, really a game changer just to start to measure, you know, how many people clicked your Facebook ad or how many people, you know, visited your website and how many pages did they view. But, you know, over the last decade or so, we've seen a shift in in our clients that's forced us to start to measure what matters. So, you know, we have clients today, and we agree with this, that there's a lot of vanity metrics being reported on a day-to-day mm. basis. So when I when I say that, I mean just likes, shares, uh, you know, gotcha. how many followers do you have? How many page views do you have? But but we have really been pushed by our clients, and I'm, I'm thankful for this, to, to measure what matters. Let's look past just the number of page views and, and start to measure things like, okay, where are these page views coming from? For the users that landed on this page, how mm. many were from Google? How many were from a social media channel? Really just digging deeper into getting those insights. So that's really the impetus for, well, the director of analytics and insight. Uh, just that, you know, anybody can really provide analytics to you, just the raw numbers of what's taking place. But where we really aim to move the needle is those insights, those actionable insights that can come from the data that we're collecting. Yeah, no, that's really great. Let's talk about vanity metrics for a second. Because there sure. was a time when a lot of KPIs uh, or for the key performance indicators, right? Um, yep. That people would be like, oh, we want to increase our likes or we want to increase sure. our 
our uh, our followers. Is that still? Are there still companies that want that, or is that is is it kind of known these days that that stuff is doesn't really matter, or does it? Sure. So I would say that our clients still want to know those metrics, right? So when we put together executive summaries, we want to give them the high hitting numbers, but we also want to take that the next step. So let's look at a a vanity metric I would look at is just say the number of shares a piece of content had on Facebook. Okay, I can tell them, hey, this piece of content was shared 212 times in May of 2020. Well, that, that's good, but where we really start to get the insight and, and matter is, okay, who shared that content? How many followers do they have? How can we start to measure the viral reach of this as opposed to just what we paid for? And so while these quote-unquote vanity metrics matter, I think giving it more context, pulling together other metrics, looking at that negative space is really where we start to uh, make, some, make some headway. Ooh, I like that. That's interesting. You intri- intrigued me there. The negative yeah. space. Yes. Tell me more about this negative space. What's in the negative? Is it like, it's like dark matter in the universe. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's not there, but it, but it is there. We can measure it, but we don't know what it is. Right. Yep. It is as ominous as it sounds, Brandon. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me give you an example uh, from website reporting. So I think for the longest time, we were so fascinated by what people were clicking, right? So how they moved from one page to another, or maybe the ad that they clicked to come to our page, really just focusing on the clicks themselves. But of late, we have started looking at the dead clicks. And so what I mean by that is we've leveraged things like heat mapping, placing a pixel on someone's website, and it really starts to look at what are people clicking that doesn't go anywhere right now. And that has been so insightful for our clients because maybe we've been able to work with our creative department, people on your team, to say, hey, why don't we make this element clickable? So if we see people clicking the heck out of an image, but it's not going anywhere, Maybe we hyperlink that image to a landing page that we want to drive them to. And so that's really what I mean by let's look at things that we're not readily measuring, that the platforms don't automatically track for us so that we can start to gain those deeper insights by what people are not doing as much as what they are doing. Wow. Rashmi Hurst raising people from the dead. I love it. I I love it. it. Wow, man, this is so good already. We're only like 10 minutes in. This is yeah. so good. I'm so ex- oh man, I'm I'm just I'm buzzing right now. And I, yeah, awesome. wow, this is great. Um well, okay, let's let's keep let's keep on this. Um, you know, when we talk about measuring what matters, what I find kind of serendipitous um sure. is in in you know, we had we had planned for you to be on the show. I don't know that we necessarily planned it for the timing of the release of Logic and Magic, but I'm yeah. so glad that it happened that way. So those of you listening, uh, Leap Group publishes a um, a thought leadership magazine twice a year. It is a print magazine, uh, and it's called Logic and Magic. And so that that's going to be coming out soon. Um, you'll hear about it towards the end of the show. But uh, really, you had a big part in this magazine, Rashmi, where you know it's all about you know, measuring what matters. It's about, you know, um, you know, building what's the website of the future look like and what, how does it need to be there? So, um, I think you even have like a feature article in this magazine. So tell us a little bit about that and how that connects back to measure what matters. 
Absolutely. So my article is aptly titled The True List of What to Measure on Your Website. And so I've really taken a a deeper look at our non-e-commerce and our e-commerce clients and really building out that funnel so that other people can start to see what are the types of metrics that we matter, both the traditional ones that we would expect, but also ones that we wouldn't. And you'll see a dialogue around things like dead clicks, scroll depth, page speed, cross-device overlap, things that uh, you know really take it to the next level within this article. Well, cross-device overlap always takes it to the next level. Yes, every time. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Um, that is that is great, and so this is something uh, something people can sort of dig into and and start to find out more about this stuff. Um, was that different for you being a part of a, a a magazine and sort of writing an article? Do you write a lot? Do you have to talk a little bit about that? You know, as an yeah. analyst, I think I think people picture you like in a room, just like heads down, pushing <laughs> buttons yes. with like, you know, like, like you're in CSI and there's like screens with like metrics going everywhere with an I'm ear, not you, lie. An ear, you have an, yeah. you have an earpiece in and you're like, your fingers on your earpiece <laughs> and you're like, we have, we have new data. We have new data. Is that, is that what happens in your world? A little bit. That's not far from the truth, but um, yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about this. And and Brandon, this is not news to you, but you know, something just for our listeners here that Brandon has really tasked my team with that's been super helpful is data storytelling. And so writing this article was really an exercise for me in just that. So sometimes it's easy for me, my team, for us to get really in the trenches of the data, but forget that maybe our end user isn't as used to some of these metrics, some of Mm. these terms that we use. And so writing it, it was challenging, but it was fun, right? So, you know, maybe everybody doesn't understand what a bounce rate is or what a funnel is. So (laughs) working with creative to actually visualize that was a great exercise and and something that uh, was, was fun. I thought a bounce rate was like a metric for hip hop music. Like, you know yes. what I mean? Like, like, you know, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, it depends on like what kind of, what kind of, you know, if you got TI going, maybe some two right. chains or, you know what I mean? Like what, what's your bounce rate? You know what I mean? Like, uh, exactly. you know, whether it's the, the dirty South or maybe, you know, on the East coast, your bounce rate's going to be a little different, you know? Right. Exactly. That's, that's kind of what I thought. Um, so, uh, so you brought up a good point, right? That um, sometimes people don't always understand data and, and you talked about storytelling. That really brings us to the second idea of the book that I wanted to extract is this idea that data and creative don't have to be enemies, right? Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, you and I are really trying to work together in the agency to, to show that that is a truth. And so I think in advertising, the, the duos, the d- dynamic duos that get celebrated are like the classic writer-designer, right? Like every, yep. every agency is like, oh, look at our writer-designer teams and they've been working together for 10 years and those sort of things. Um, I think what we're exploring, and I think some agencies probably do this better than others, is maybe there's a new dynamic duo. Maybe it's creative director, data analyst. What do you think Absolutely. about that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's something that we're doing a lot more every single day, and it's inspiring, right? So so one thing I do want to kind of caveat this with is, you know, previously, I think that data took a much more reactive approach to creative, where, you know, creative would go off and build these awesome ads, and then, you know, we would come back 
completely outside of the process and say, hey, this is how your ad performed. Maybe you had this many likes, this many comments, this many shares. This is how it impacted awareness, engagement, conversion, such and such. But I think what we're starting to do a lot more today is taking a proactive approach so that we have empirically backed creative today. And I think that's where we really start to drive innovation and really start to see improvement because we are creating together. Yeah. And to peel back the the curtain behind Leap Group, um, one of the things me and Rashmi are working on earlier in this year, I said, Rashmi, I said, I need to get to the data quicker and sooner. And so yep. what we're actually doing is we're going to cross train one of our copywriters to who also helps with sort of like um, keyword copywriting and that sort of thing on the SEO side. We're going to cross train her on some tools that allow us to sort of scrape the internet for these yeah. sort of early uh, signs and, and data so that as a creative team, you know, we're never held back by the availability of data. We have a team member who already is crossing over. And so we can say to that copywriter, hey, go go do a, a, a web scrape on this term or this idea. And then she brings that into creative on the front end. Then if we find something interesting or an insight or a hint or a hunch that we're like, this is interesting, and we start bringing ideas to the table, we can go back to your team and say, hey, we'd like a deeper dive into this thing that we found. And so that's just something we're doing that I want to share with you guys as you're listening. Maybe that's something you want to try with your teams. Um, but so far, so good. It's, um, you know, I think we're, 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 we're growing and we're building in this area. But um, I'm definitely super excited to, to see how and where this goes. And so um, to continue this conversation, I would ask you... Um, you know, what do you think? Let's just, let's have a little, let's have a little therapy session. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to share, I'm going to share some things that maybe are frustrating about you guys. Sure. And then maybe you can share some things that are frustrating about my team. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then we'll kind of, maybe we'll work through it together. Like we won't get too, too in the weeds here, but just like <laughs> okay. a little scenario. So sometimes, right. Sometimes on our end, we, we move really fast. Sometimes we have really sure. quick deadlines. And so for us, it's like, hey, get us this, these insights now. And you guys are like backlogged with other big projects. And so sometimes that tension is that we, we need you real time, but you're not always available real time because you're deep in the data. So what do you say to that? So that's, that's a frustration our team has. How are we going to fix that, Rosh? Yeah, I think it's going to be working together more uh, to get that human insight, right? So at, at, at the high level, we have done a lot of automation with regard to just getting numbers, just getting data in a in one spot synthesized from all different platforms to just get the data, right? But what we really take the most time on is that human insight, that level mm -hmm. of us taking that data and, and something that a machine can't do, right? We want to be able to... Um, empower and drive creativity by analyzing those uh, with with our touch. And so I think an interesting way to maybe collab here would be through something that we've started doing, uh, but it's it's through A-B testing. And so Brandon, something that we've been working on a lot with, with your team to set the framework up for now is say you come with a hunch and I come with a completely different hunch around a piece of creative. Maybe I say, hey, uh, you know, everything that we have published with a yellow background 
is not doing so well, but everything with a green background is. Why don't we try taking this creative and putting a different color behind it just to test mm. what kind of what kind of impact that has. But your team is like, hey, you know, we have to leverage the yellow here. Maybe we run an A-B test so that we can take <laughs> your idea and take my idea and, and see, let the data drive that ultimate decision. And so I think that's going to be a great way for us to move forward together to, to really start testing more and, and really embrace and, and celebrate that idea that, you know, it doesn't just have to be one answer sometimes, but this is really how we can help inspire brilliant creative through the data. Okay. Okay. Note taken. That's good. What about us? What, is there something that you, that you want to share that you want to, you want to get off your chest about the creative team? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot, Brandon. Uh, you know, something that I think we can really hide behind our shield, if you will, from a data standpoint is that the numbers speak for themselves, right? So if I come to your team and say, hey, this isn't working, and here's the data to show that, I kind of get to hide behind those numbers. But sometimes I think, you know, with a lot of creatives, I'm just going to call y'all out, there is this personal element of, you know, just being really tied to that creative that you love it. And it, it turns into this personal attack of, oh my God, you have messed up and it wasn't a great idea. And, and that's, that's not what we're trying to do at all. I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm in front of these clients day in and day out, and my job is to help either support or confirm that it's not working. And so did it work? Did it not work? Right. And that's my job. And so in order to come back and, and highlight that it did work, there's going to be constructive feedback sometimes. And, you know, so <laughs> sometimes y'all just take it a little too personal, man. <laughs> we, I'll tell you, you, <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that you called that out. We we get in our feelings sometimes over here in the creative department. We you know what I mean? Like we get we we yeah. do like these are precious little moments sometimes that that are hard to let go of. It's true. Oh man, we are bringing you the real talk, <laughs> real know. talk right here, real talk on uh, a quick read today. This is fun. <laughs> oh man, um, this is really fun. So uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this conversation. I know I am. Uh, I, you mentioned a metaphor there with the shield. And so yeah. I'm going to use that to segue to our third big idea. Um, in, in the book, they talk about this idea that data can be both the sword and the shield. So this idea of it can, it can protect good work um, if right. people are critiquing it and um, you know, it, it's being attacked. Uh, data can be used to sort of protect against that and shield against that and say, well, actually, you know, the data says differently, or right. it could be the sword in the sense that, you know, you have a, a really good idea. And if you bring it on the offensive and bring it with really good data behind it, then you can really sort of strike heavily upon that. Would you, would you agree with that a and B maybe is there a, a use case or a scenario? Um, you know, you don't have to name clients and that sort of thing, but is there something yeah. in recent history where you felt like the data really helped sell an idea in? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it all comes back. So one, I, I do agree. Uh, I definitely agree with this metaphor and I think it comes back to setting goals. And that's something that Shane and Jason talk about in this book a lot. So how do we collectively, both creative and analytics, understand the importance of defining success and targets up front, right, for every initiative that we are undertaking? And so I'm going to use a website redesign as, as a use case. So, I mean, this is something that 
kind of holds true right now, surprisingly, across every vertical that I'm running into. You know, Brandon, I'm sure you're intimately aware of how many (laughs) website redesigns we've done this year and last year. Uh, Something that I started to see through heat mapping was, let's take the desktop version of our site and the mobile version of our site. I think a couple years back, you know, when mobile sites could be responsive, we had clients who were just so thrilled. They thought it was the coolest thing ever that we could create a mobile version of their site that looked identical to the desktop version. But the way that data has really been able to be a sword in this instance is, hey, over the past couple of years, uh, and you know, and Shane and Jason talk about this in their book as well, and I love this, this section of it. I'll send it to you after the, the exact excerpt I'm talking about. The way people behave on mobile is so different than desktop. So we have to take that into consideration, right? Maybe the exact same version of the website is not going to work on both device types. And so let me give you an example here. What I'm talking about primarily is scroll behavior. So we have started measuring how far people scroll down a page. So when websites first became responsive, we saw people scrolling all the way down the page, all the way to the footer. I mean, every bit of this site was being viewed. But over the past couple of years, people are behaving differently on mobile. They are not scrolling as far as they used to. So when we can take that data and visually show our clients, hey, this is how users behave on desktop, and this is how users behave on mobile, they're not even seeing 90% of your mobile site that becomes really interesting, right? Say you have a client that 80% of their web traffic is mobile. This becomes a problem. So working together to really help solve, okay, if we need to drive more conversions and we know that 80% of the traffic is coming from mobile, we can start to really measure and say, hey, we need to tweak the way that this mobile site looks in order to help drive those. And so when we make those tweaks, we can start to say, hey, here's that shield aspect of it, that this is what the data has said. So when we redesign your site and there is a different mobile variant, a more adaptive approach to web design, if you will, we really have that data to help back us up in our decisions so that our creative team, every decision we make, it's empirically backed. It's not just, hey, we got rid of this and we moved this up and we moved this down and we changed these colors for this. It's We're working together today to really achieve those goals and and make sure that that we're seeing true performance. Nice. That's that's a a nice thought to consider. I I, I have a question about the I guess the inverse of yeah. that and if you've ever experienced it. Is it is there danger potentially um if you're not looking at the right data or if you're trying to proof text use data to proof text something have you ever had it backfire where all of a sudden the data was working against you? And so here you are trying to like make a point and then somehow, you know, somebody sees an insight and goes, well, actually it appears based on your data, this idea or this uh, <laughs> recommendation is, is probably not a good thing, right? Like, I guess, yeah. I guess the numbers, cause, cause the numbers, the data doesn't really care, right? It doesn't have an agenda. It's just like a recorded moment in time that you know you have you still have to interpret yeah. the data i guess so my question to you is is as 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 creatives and and uh, analytics people as agencies who are listening think about this what are those things to do to um i guess vet to make sure like it it's it's the right data or you're having the right data conversations 
Yeah. And I think I would honestly look at this, not really in a backfire way, but that because we have that data that initially informed this, what I run into more often uh, is that clients might pivot what their goals are for that year. So maybe, hey, you know, we talked about setting goals. We achieved that primary goal. Well, let's use healthcare as an example. I have a lot of clients that maybe one year they take a much more B to C approach, really trying to reach that patient or that caretaker audience. But maybe this year they want to focus on the healthcare professional. They want to take a more B2B approach here. I think it's allowing the data to pivot for us to recognize, hey, this was a goal that we had set for last year and we achieved it. We now have a new goal. So we need to reframe the way that we are measuring what success looks like. And so I think instead of looking at at it from more of like a backfire lens. It's more of, hey, we have to be okay that things are going to change. Nothing is set it and forget it anymore. And so just like I don't want creative and your team to get too attached to ideas, I have to sort of practice what I preach there too and say, hey, maybe we have to switch this whole thing up again and, and be okay with that. Ooh, that's nice. Look at you taking I, personal accountability. I know, I don't Man. try, Brandon. <laughs> now all, all my entire my entire team is gonna soundbite that area and just play it back to you. I like, know, remember I know, what you I said? Know. Oh gosh. Oh man. Well, you know, I think th- th- those are some some interesting thoughts that again ladder back. There's a, a nice little uh, paraphrase here in the book. It says, "Data is of value only if it delivers insight. Yep. Insight is of value only if it inspires ideas." And ideas are only of value if they deliver a clear and measurable business result. So I like yep. what you were saying there about the goals. And, you know, this book also covers this, you know, the metaphor of like smart goals, like, you know, specific, measurable, those types of things. Let's talk about goals for a second. You know, yeah. what, do you, what do you do when working with clients to ensure that their goals are measurable, right? Because there's a lot of companies who they might have a goal. They're just like, oh, I just want to be the best. You know, yep. or, oh, oh I just want to be the, I just want to be the most, or I just want this, or I just want that. And I think a lot of times when we look at client goals, sometimes they're just not even realistic. Sometimes they're not even measurable. Sometimes they're, they're not even achievable. Right. And so how do you, when working with, with a brand, whether that's SEO insights, you know, anything data driven, um, how do you work with them to shape up a, a good measurable goal? Sure. So I think there's there's two aspects uh, to this. The first is we always take a full comprehensive approach to the landscape whenever a client comes to us with a goal. So let's use our example of we want to be the best and maybe the best for them is driving quotes for a specific service. Okay. They want to get the most quote submissions. Well, we want to start looking at how the competitive set is doing. And so that really helps us frame some of these types of uh, goals. So let's let's use the example of we have a lot of clients. I'm glad you pointed out SEO. A lot of clients today, right, that they want to be the number one result on Google search engine results pages because, you know, with COVID, more so than ever, how you appear online really turned into, you know, their digital storefront, if you will. And so, so we saw a huge influx in users or clients that wanted to see more people come to their site from search engines, driving that qualified organic traffic. And so really, I think it, it starts with looking at the competitive set. How much 
does the competitive set take, come into play when we look at your share of voice right now? Where are we starting in order to get to the best, to get to that number one result? If we're all the way on page 10 to start with, sometimes it's level setting with clients to say, hey, this isn't going to happen overnight. You know, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And it's going to take us a little while to get to where we want to get. And so I think sometimes it's really sitting down with clients to first benchmark, where are we right now? Who are our primary competitors? That's the first step. Once we get that benchmark in place, really auditing where we are right now, what are the major gaps and opportunities? The next step is, you know, for for most of our clients, we put together what we call a strategy matrix where we take the goal, we identify, okay, what tactics are we going to employ to achieve this goal, whether that's, um, you know, updating content, optimizing your listings on Google, whatever those tactics end up being. But for every tactic that we have in place, we make sure that there is a measurable key performance indicator. That way, No matter what we are doing throughout this year in order to achieve that goal, we are consistently measuring that month after month so that we can see, okay, hey, in April, this is where we were at. This is our benchmark. In May, this is how we have grown since then. And we can really start to see that month over month growth uh, and trajectory moving forward. Excellent. So good, good goals, have something to to shoot at on the target and be able to, to pivot as as the business changes or the data points towards things is, uh, is always good to keep in mind. So, um, man, you are just full of all the things. Um, (laughs) I'm going to ask you to offer up, uh, uh, maybe some tips and trends. What's, what are, what are a handful of things that right now creatives and agencies should be thinking about when it comes into that sort of you know, the space you're in, um, SEO, digital, some of that, you know, that stuff changes all the time. I feel like you mentioned, you know, search. I feel like no matter anymore, when you search on Google, it's just all paid promotions anyway. Like the first two pages are all paid. Like what yeah. that seems to have changed, changed a lot. So maybe Absolutely. offer a couple, uh, tips, trends, or insights that you guys are, you seem to be really digging into right now. I know earlier you mentioned the dark matter, you, you know, yeah. dig into the dark, the dark <laughs> matter. So Let's let's just jump into maybe a couple other things that you think are interesting um, that you think people should be thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about that negative space, as you had just mentioned. Before I move on, I do want to highlight, you know, we had talked about a non-e-commerce related aspect. I want to touch on e-com just for a second in terms of what we're not seeing, just for our e-commerce listeners out there that this might be relevant. Yeah, for. you got sh- to show love to the e-com. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so... <laughs> When we look at our e-commerce clients that ultimately want to drive transactions on their website, drive that revenue coming in through their website, right? We take a full funnel approach to this, and you'll see this in my article as well, where we look at the number of product views, the number of ads to cart, the number of checkouts, the number of transactions. Where we really start to gain the most insight there is take a look at where that drop-off is taking place. There are so many tools in place today that will help you identify tracking, enhanced e-commerce tracking that you can put on your website to say, show me the number of people that added to cart but didn't check out. Let's take that segment of users and retarget them. Just being more strategic about what's not happening on your site, I think, is so critical both from an e-com and a non-e-commerce lens. So that, that's what I wanted to touch on from a 
a negative space, if you will. Uh, yeah. That's also that we should publish that list of people and just label them the non non-committal so that we can all just like, you know, not get into any deep relationships with, with them. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. I mean, but it's like, you know, if you can capture that segment of users that's already so far down the funnel, they just have that one little step left. Mm. I can work with creative now, right? To say, hey, give me some messaging for this user that's made it all the way to add to cart. They've even started the checkout process, but they didn't click pay now. Give me some copy that's going to help promote that ultimate conversion. And that's where we can really start to get smart about about behavior. So that's the first thing. The second tip I have that, you know, I I really lean into on a daily basis is pay attention to the algorithms and not just Google's algorithms, but Facebook's, Twitter, LinkedIn. There's a Mm. lot of banter online, a lot of dialogue just on the underground forums that we frequent or even the public (laughs) ones like like Reddit, right? I'm not going to give away all my secrets, but Reddit is a great place to start. You know, what's happening? On, on these channels that's going to influence the way your content performs. We all know from social, right, things have changed dramatically over the last five years, the way your Instagram feed looks today compared to five years ago, right? I mean, now all of a sudden, uh, you're able to save things. You can quickly click what you've saved on your homepage. So that's us starting to see, right? Instagram, Facebook, they're they're prioritizing that save function. So that allows me to say, go to creative and be like, hey, give me content that people are going to want to save. For some of our, mm. say, food and bev brands, let's start pumping out recipe content. That's what I'm seeing people save. So that's where we can start to work together by leaning into that algorithm. Similarly, on, say, Google search engine results pages, that looks completely different today than it did five years ago, right? We've got ads, like you mentioned. We've also got people also ask boxes. So say I type something in on Google. Well, now there's a bunch of related questions that I can click into in an accordion menu that just keeps going. Let's see what types of questions those are, what types of Uh, things people are answering and lean into that. Maybe we start to format the content on our site to get pulled into those people also ask boxes and be that uh, domain with the highest authority to help answer that question. So that's just a couple of of things that, you know, I, I definitely would recommend is stay on top of these trends. Because as you mentioned, Brandon, some of these trends become truths that we have to work yeah. with. And, and so it's really important. Man, you just you just opened the rabbit hole for us to jump I, down. You teased <laughs> you teased the you teased the dark back rooms of SEO conversations on Reddit. <laughs> wow. Multitudes, you have multitudes. Wow. This is just wow. I hope I hope everyone's enjoying this as much as me. I love this conversation. I yeah. want to pivot a little bit back to, you know, sort of who you are and your story. Yeah. And, um, and you know, this is all coming from uh, a country girl in, in, <laughs> yes. in bourbon country, Kentucky. And um, I think what's so fascinating, what I love about you is, is you know, you're well-rounded and it's not just the data and the corporate speak, but I mean, you know, you're connected to a family business and you guys, um, was it last year or year before, started your own, your own brand, right? So yeah. tell us a little bit about... Uh, you know, in addition to being the data queen, um, you also have a hand in in maybe the food food and bev industry. So tell tell us a little bit about that. I do. Uh, so 
from data queen to burger queen, if you will, uh, <laughs> my husband and I, perfect timing, opened a restaurant called Bardstown Burger January 2nd, 2020, with no clue as to what was going to happen <laughs> last year. <laughs> so, I mean, really, that it was it was a fascinating way to pivot and learn. So, Bardstown Burger is a family-owned small business in downtown Bardstown. We, we have a really simple menu. It's just good homemade burgers and shakes. Uh, and it's been it's been really fun. It's a ton of work. Uh, that's putting it very <laughs> politely. But it's it's been really great to kind of apply what I learn on the the day to day at my work and and take some of that to my husband to say, hey, I think we could really start looking <laughs> at what people aren't ordering or you know how we could increase our profit margin here. I can't say that he's loved every bit of this insight, but <laughs> uh, but it's been really fun and really insightful for me to see you know how is a business run? What sort of pain points do I see from the client side? And so I'm able to kind of take that and take a much more um, empathetic approach to my clients to see, hey, guess what? I understand now, right? ROI matters. I need to be able to <laughs> really provide that because there's other businesses that, I mean, they're they're counting on us to deliver these insights to help their bottom line. And so just being intimately kind of involved in that, uh, you know, from a restaurant perspective has has really helped me with my own clients. Man, that's that's so cool. I, I love how you connect those dots and you know don't view them as two separate worlds because yeah. I do think there is a lot to you know when you when you put yourself in the shoes of our clients and you think like they do and you know you talked about empathy there you know I imagine you know you know on a smaller scale right you know you're a you're a um, a smaller town uh, you know restaurant but yeah. again you're 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 experiencing all the same things right like. We need to, you know, have good margins. We need to deliver. We we need to reduce waste. And so, um, I think that's really interesting that you're, um, you know, viewing that as a as a creative build versus, uh, you know, the latter of of maybe absolutely that's just a another time uh, burden. Um, that's awesome. So so people, if they're if you're going down to Bourbon Country, yeah. and you're going to tour all the distilleries, or you're coming down for Derby, um, make sure you get to Bardstown. Go in and, and have a have a burger. Um, and, uh, they'll take care of you down there, man. They, they know how to treat people right down in Bardstown. Yeah. That's, that's great. So what else you got going on? What are the, you got any other side hustles or things that you're excited about or anything, uh, agency wise that's coming up that you're excited about? You want to, you want to promote or talk about? Yeah. Uh, this is kind of, kind of random, but I'm, I'm really trying to take a more creative approach to the way that we do reporting. And so, you know, we had talked a little bit about this earlier, but you know, something exciting that I'm working on, um, it's really revamping some of our reporting structures to kind of take the feedback, Brandon, that you've given us, but but tell more of a story and allow. And by, by the way, <laughs> by feedback, by yeah. feedback, she, she means uh, <laughs> unlimited interruptions. Oh, Guys, unlimited. storytelling, storytelling, yeah, storytelling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but hey, you know, so something- yeah, so. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, tell us a little bit more about, you know, I've been really nudging you guys, but how, how are you starting to let that, you know, develop into maybe some things you're going to start trying or testing? Yeah. So I think the first aspect of this is more of that audience understanding. So I've been working a lot actually with our uh, director of research, Dr. Timothy Sauer on 
understanding our audience. And for us, our audience is our clients a lot of times. And we have clients that know a ton. I mean, I've got clients who are right there with me in the trenches, understand the algorithm updates, know exactly they're what's on the, coming. They're, yeah. they're on the Reddit, they're on the Reddit sub channels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're on, they're creating the subreddits themselves, let's be honest. <laughs> but then I've got clients who come to us and, and they don't even know where to start. They don't even have Google Analytics on their website. They're not even measuring anything. And so something that I'm working on this year is how can I create a reporting template for a client that knows a ton, but also for that novice client that doesn't know a lot? And so that's something, and I'm excited to kind of go through this journey with you, Brandon, and something I'm hoping we can talk more about in a setting like this, uh, maybe later on in the year as this comes to fruition. But how can we deliver really actionable insights that leverage the data for our clients who really run the gamut of super informed to maybe they don't even understand digital at all. So that's that's something mm. I'm, I'm kind of working on right now that, that's been challenging, yeah, no. but, but fun. I love it. It definitely sounds like we're going to have to have you back on the show. It seems like maybe we should just do a side podcast where we just talk about our challenges together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can open up. <laughs> uh, really, really get into our issues. Uh, no, that's great. Um, yeah, this has been so, so much fun. Yeah. I'm super excited. Um, uh, again, I want to remind everybody, um, you know, Rashmi is my teammate at, uh, at Leap Agency. We're a part of Leap Group. Um, they, they allow us to, to get to do this for fun and, uh, share insights with the rest of the world. And I do want to just, again, promote that, um, you know, we have this exciting new episode of logic and magic, um, that is coming out, um, again, bringing thought leadership from our aging agency network made up of over five agencies that, um, can really scale to, to, to meet your needs and KPIs and goals, um, and so uh, we're releasing this issue of Logic and Magic. It comes out, I believe, it's either already out or it comes out this week based on you know when this podcast drops. Um, and it is uh, entirely produced in-house by the Leap Group team. It combines that, that logic of advertising with the magic of technology and uh, that really makes campaigns matter more. Um, so, you know... This issue, unless you're living under a rock, you may notice that everybody has quickly had to pivot. Yep. This issue is all about keeping it digital in 2020. Uh, and in this in this issue, we walk through um, what your website should have by now. And you know, Rashmi's articles in there as well, and uh, talks about what it takes to achieve um, to market less and matter more with your target audience. So uh, you can get your copy of Logic and Magic uh, by going to leapgroupnetwork.com. That's leapgroupnetwork.com. You can sign up for a copy of Logic and Magic and be able to dig in. And then uh, that can be a nice supplement to getting into the dark web of SEO and <laughs> analytics on Reddit and subreddits. Uh, so I'm never going to live this all that to say, All that to say, uh, man, you're the best. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you me. so much. Yeah, and um, I hope you enjoyed yourself and had fun. Um, I know the listeners were, are going to really like this one and can it, can I say, can I go ahead and invite you back? Uh, will you come back again? Yeah, absolutely. Cause that'll, that'll awesome. push me to get these templates built out that I can share with you. <laughs> get some of that creative feedback. I can't wait for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, again, everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, and as always, uh, 
uh, Rashmi can attest to this. Um, we can measure the data when you subscribe to our podcast on uh, Spotify or iTunes, and that data will go into their algorithms, pushing this podcast further to the top. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review, and be able to share it with others. We really appreciate it. And um, as always, have a good one. Later. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, head over to iTunes or Spotify and give us a great rating and review. A Quick Read is a Leap Group podcast.